Good morning, church. Um, again, it is uh, um, good to uh, to be in your midst. Certainly, an honor, a pleasure uh, to spend a little bit of time to talk to you about some things that uh, uh, I've read and studied in the scripture this past week. Um, I want to talk about a, a phrase that you probably have heard before. Um, you know, sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. Um, I've, I've heard that uh, <laughs> probably used two or three times this week. And um, what I gather from that is um, it is sometimes more, ex- and I'm not saying that this is right. Obviously, I'm just kind of um, decoding that statement um, about uh, uh, asking forgiveness um, uh, rather than asking for permission is <clears throat> that there are some circumstances in life where um, you know expediency or what we feel is is you know a, a lack of time um, when we are faced with situations where time is short rather um, that uh, it may be better to just go ahead and act based on our be- on our best judgment and if we happen to be wrong ask for forgiveness um, and you know that statement belies um, an understanding at least that um, on the part of the person who says it or the part of the person who's going to perform that act is that um, while yes I'm going to do this based on my better judgment um, there is a little bit of doubt in my mind that what I'm about to do is actually something I should be doing there are a number of occasions I'm sure where you know you've 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 seen something um, right that uh, and I'll give you the the occasion that I heard uh, at work which is The policy states this, Um, it doesn't clearly say I can't do it, Um, but I feel there's something in my mind that says me, tells me that I shouldn't do it, but the policy says I don't, uh, that I can't do it. So instead of going through the process of asking such and such person if this particular task or this action or practice is okay, I'm just going to go ahead and do it anyway, and if I happen to get caught, if I happen to get caught or if it happens to be the the wrong choice, I'll just simply say, I'm sorry, and ask for forgiveness. I got to thinking about that statement uh, in, in my own life in a spiritual context, about Maybe moments in my life where I've looked into the scripture or reflected on the scripture before I've done something and thought in my mind, well, the scripture doesn't say I can't do it. I mean, it doesn't say I, I, I can't go ahead and, and, and do whatever it is I'm, I'm about to do. But in my mind, my, my conscience, some would say the Holy, Holy Spirit, um, is keeping me from from doing it. There's a little bit of doubt in my mind, and I think maybe I shouldn't do it. But the scripture doesn't explicitly say that I can't do it. And so, how many times have I? Um, and I'm certainly maybe there have been some circumstances in your own life where you have asked God for forgiveness before asking Him for permission. 
Um, and I think about uh, what that means, um, you know, again, spiritually, you know, we, we understand that God is a spirit. Um, he does not, uh, while he is all powerful, all things are under his command and under his control. Um, God is a spirit. And, you know, we don't, we can't necessarily go to him in a physical context, call him on the phone and say, hey, God, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Um, are you okay with it? Um, and, and yes, we do have prayer. Um, and we'll talk about that uh, here in, in greater detail about uh, the role of prayer. Um, but we also have his word. And his word speaks to us. Um, that's the reason why, out of convenience rather, uh, we have this bound book called the Holy Bible. Where we can go back and we can reference. Um, that is the reason why the scripture tells us that all the words in this book pertain to life and godliness. And in, those, in that context, um, I again reflect upon times in my life where I've not gone to the book for permission. I've not gotten the, the I've not answered all the questions, I've not rounded, uh, you know, addressed all of the doubts I may have in my mind about whether I should do it or whether I shouldn't do it. I've just gone ahead and done it. Just out of sheer laziness, just out of a, a sheer thought, if you will, that I don't have time to, to go back into the scripture and fully investigate it before doing it. Um, in light of that, uh, and this is the title of my lesson, um, which is obedience. In light of that, the scripture tells us that in all things we must be obedient. The most important thing you and I can, can be, if we were to, uh, to, to add an adjective or to replace our names with an adjective, we would all want to be named obedient. Uh, because obedience is the thing that, um, the obedience is the thing or the reason why uh, God uh, proclaimed his son Jesus. Um, he said, Behold my son in whom I am well pleased. Um, Jesus was given the throne because he was obedient until death. Obedience is the thing that gets us into heaven. By being obedient to the will of God, we heard of the gospel, we believed it, we uh, repented, we confessed, and we went down in that water grave of baptism, and now we all strive to live faithfully because of our, or out of our obedience to the will of God. You know, we could talk about the two commandments that we must be obedient to, and those two commandments are centered around this, this concept of love. Um, and what child that loves his mother and his father um, would, would be disobedient, um, willingly or willfully, um, I go back to uh, what was written or what we just read in First Samuel, um, and I think that's, you know, by far, um, you know, the I want to say by far, but at least in my little mind, uh, a, a perfect example of this concept of asking for permission first, or in Saul's case, asking for forgiveness instead of asking for permission. Doing what is right in the eyes of God versus doing what's right in your own eyes. And we all know the, and if you don't know the story, I guess we can, we can recap. Um, 
In uh, 1 Samuel, Samuel was a prophet of God. Um, he was a chief priest, if you will, for the nation of Israel. And uh, Israel at this time, um, as they are growing in power and prestige, um, they wanted a king uh, because they looked around at all the other nations as they were growing and, and being blessed by God. They, they wanted to be like those other nations. They wanted to have a figurehead. Um, they wanted to have someone who could lead them into battle um, if that were necessary. Samuel, being the prophet of God, told them that um, you already have a king. He's, his name is Jehovah, um, Yahweh, um, the Almighty. Um, there is, you, you really don't need another king. As a matter of fact, he's the only reason why you have gotten to this point in, um, in, your, in your growth as a people and as a nation. Um, has only been because your king, your father, your your Lord, the Almighty, has been has been leading you and has been um, in in a very very uh, real sense of the word overthrowing all of your enemies. But they cried out and they said, "We want a king. Um, we need to have that figurehead." Samuel told them that uh, in order uh, that the king, if he were to be established, would take all of the best. That the nation had and, and would make it his own. Uh, the nation of Israel said we're willing to accept that sacrifice. And so um, God allowed that to be. And Saul was chosen to be the first king uh, of the nation of Israel. Um, in uh, 1 Samuel <clears throat> Uh, the 15th chapter, um, starting off at verse number 1, it says, Samuel also said unto Saul, who is, who is king, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. And the following verses, uh, the second and the third chapter, you can read those there. Um, it's not the second and third chapter, but the second and third verse, rather. Uh, 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter. Uh, the Lord uh, required, or at, not required, commanded that uh, Saul would go over to the uh, Amalekites and utterly destroy them and spare not both man and woman, infant and suckling ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Um, the Lord of hosts wanted the Amalekites to be utterly destroyed, wiped out off of the face of the earth. And, and, right, and, and you know, God is the judge. Um, the Amalekites were um, persecuted, the nation of Israel, um, very bad, you know, as they were journeying from um, the city of Jericho towards the, uh, to, the, to the area that would soon become Israel, or the nation of Israel, or the land of Israel, uh, the Amalekites were not very kind to them. Um, they persecuted them along the way. Um, as it says in verse number 48, uh, 1 Samuel, the 14th chapter, um, the Amalekites constantly laid siege upon the, land, uh, upon the Israelites and spoiled them. Um, and we all know that God is a vengeful God. We know that God will, um, as he said in many occasions, both in the Old and the New Testament, 
um, that if anybody persecutes his chosen, um, they will fall under fall into the mighty hand of God. And so the Amalekites um, were uh, did that. Um, they persecuted uh, God's children, and God, in His vengeance, was going to lay waste to them. So Saul, in verse number four, um, as it says, uh, gathered two hundred thousand footmen and ten thousand men of Judah. And in verse number five, and Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. But something happened. Um, Samuel, as it says in verse number six, said unto the Kenites, Go, depart, get you down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For ye showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul smote, smote the Amalekites from Havilah until thou uh, comest to Shur, that is over against Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. And Saul and the people spared Agag, and the best of the sheep, and of the oxen, and of the fatlings, and the lambs, of all that was good, and would not utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused, and refused, uh, that they destroyed utterly. Now, one of the things that uh, we get to again about uh, asking forgiveness um, before asking permission can be seen in the next uh, couple verses. In verse number 10, it reads, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repented me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a place, and is gone about, and is passed on, and gone down to Gilgal. Now, Gilgal was a special place, um, or became a special place, in, as we read in the scripture reading in verse number 20 and verse uh, 21, uh, 19 through 21 rather, First uh, Samuel, the 15th chapter, that uh, what Samuel did was, is he took all of the best calves and, and goats and so forth, and he sacrificed there unto God. In essence, Saul knew what the commandment was. It was very clear in his mind what God wanted him to do. Um, but he was in the business of asking for forgiveness instead of permission. So even in spite of those commandments, even in spite of the fact that in his mind he thought, well, I know God said to utterly waste everything. I don't think he explicitly told me or meant for me to kill these valuable goats and calves and cattle and so forth. Um, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and spare the king, which very clearly God told him to kill. I'm going to go ahead and spare the king. I'm going to take him back as a trophy to the nation of Israel. I'm going to take all of these good goats and so forth. 
um, and uh, I'm going to take them back as a trophy. Um, but I will use these goats as a sacrifice unto God to ask for forgiveness. Now you may say, uh, Brother Garner, are you reading into this? Are you, you know, reading into something that isn't there? Well, it is there. Because why would, <clears throat> why would Saul save all the good stuff, and as it says in verse number 9, destroy all of the vile and bad stuff, or stuff that was garbage or refuse? Because in his mind, he was using his own judgment and not the judgment of God. You know, the, the passage of Scripture that comes to mind every time I think about that is, you know, let God be true and all men be a liar. Um, God, in, God was explicit, but Saul, in his disobedience, thought that he knew better. Time is of the essence. Instead of going to God in prayer, instead of uh, inquiring um, with, uh, God's, uh, with God's mouthpiece, Samuel. He just went ahead and did his own thing. And he banked on the fact that God would just forgive him in the form of a sacrifice. Samuel, <clears throat> you know, obviously says in verse number 20, uh, 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone uh, the way which the Lord had sent me and have brought the Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. And this is what Saul said to Samuel. He said, I've done, I've obeyed what the Lord has told me to do. I've saved Agag and I've utterly destroyed everything else. But the people took of the spoil and the sheep and the oxen and of the chief things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice on the Lord thy God in Gilgal. Basically saying, I had a good reason to disobey you, God. I had a good reason. The reason why I felt it was necessary to disobey you is because I felt like and the people felt like they needed to have something to sacrifice unto you, dear God. So I did it for you. My disobedience was done out of love for you. How, how bad does that sound? And I guess, <clears throat> think about all those moments in your life where you have transgressed the will of God, um, I guess, with good intentions. Where maybe you have went to, maybe you have gone to God or thought in your mind that, I'm only doing this so I can better serve my Lord. I'm only, um, I'm only, you know, performing this shortcut in order to be a better servant for God. Since when has God ever told you that it is okay to sin in the best interest of worshiping Him? It's never, it, it is never in there. He is never, ever in any part of the Holy Bible, certainly in the New Testament Scripture, has God ever said, it is okay to sin if you are doing it to serve me? As a matter of fact, he says that you, that is an impo that, <coughs> boy, and I'm, I'm stumbling over my words, but I'm, it's very clear in my head, at least, that very clearly, God says the servants of sin 
Well, let's let's take a look at it before I, I read this this final verse in in the book of Romans, the uh, seventh chapter. Um, actually, in um, in verse number, uh, let's look at Romans, the sixth chapter, twenty-two and twenty-three. Um, in uh, Romans six twenty-two, it says, "But now being made free from sin and become servants to God." Ye have for fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, and even before that, uh, in verse number 13, or verse number 12 of Romans the 6th chapter, it says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof, Neither yield, yield your members as instruments of, of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So it is impossible to commit sin um, and justify it by saying that I am a servant of God, and I needed to do this sin in order to fulfill that obligation as a servant of God. But that's what Saul did. Saul very plainly did that. In verse number 22 of 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter, this is what the prophet Samuel said to Saul in response. And, and this is a response to the, the, uh, the question, it's, or the statement rather, that it's better to ask, that sometimes it's necessary to ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Samuel says in verse number 22, Hath the Lord as great delight, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? And that is a rhetorical question. Um, based on the verses that we just read here in in Romans, um, we know that uh, God does not delight more so in offerings and sacrifices as He does in obedience. Just think about if that were the case. If that were the case, that God were was more found uh, sacrifices more valuable than obedience, um, then we would be sacrificing children. Okay, you're thinking, Brother Garner, that is, <laughs> you're, you're going overboard, you're overstating it. But I'm not. Think about the, the Incas and the, uh, you know, the, uh, those ancient uh, societies um, in the Amazon or, um, and, and, I'm, and I'm, the Incas isn't the, the one I would, the, the group of people, the Mayans, excuse me. And what did they do? They believed that offerings and sacrifices were more valuable than obedience. Such that they had to raise their game. First they started off with sacrificing the lambs and goats. Then they thought, you know, we got we to gotta have a better sacrifice, right? Because um, that's what our perception of, of the Almighty would want. 
So they continued to raise their game to the point where they were sacrificing children. Okay, you may say I'm overstating it again. Well, let's go back and let's look at the Old Testament. In the Old Testament scripture, what did they do? Every year, um, and, and in between the, the annual sacrifice of the atonement, what were the Levitical priests in the business of doing? Levitical priests mainly were in the business of giving or uh, participating in the sacrifice, uh, the sacrifices of atonement for sins for the people. So if I sinned, I knew I sinned, I didn't ask for permission, I'm going to go ahead and ask for forgiveness. And in the form of asking for forgiveness, I would just go to the Levitical priest, I'd bring um, a, uh, uh, a pristine uh, specimen of a goat or a lamb and I would sacrifice or I'd ask that Levitical priest to sacrifice that lamb as a means of asking for forgiveness for a transgression that I knew I shouldn't have done in the first place. So Samuel again asked this rhetorical question. Is are sacrifices and offerings equivalent to obedience in the eyes of God? The answer to that question, he goes on to say, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken to the words of God than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness, as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Now, Saul, if you go ahead and read the, the rest of the chapter, um, and I would encourage each of you to, to do so, he, him, and Hod, um, he said, well, I had, best, I had the, the very best intentions. Uh, please pardon my sin. Um, please forgive me, even though I knew I shouldn't have done it to begin with, please forgive me. Um, he went and he turned around and he killed King Agag. Um, it, it goes on to say um, in, in verse number 32 through the remainder of the chapter, um, but yet in verse 35, First uh, Samuel, the 15th chapter, it says, And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. I have a couple of other verses, but I won't belabor the point because I think that's clear enough. <coughs> Obedience is more valuable in God's eyes than anything. Um, we know that, uh, uh, as it states in Revelations, the second chapter, and I believe, what is it, verse number 10, that if we remain faithful until death, um, we will obtain a crown of life. But we also know that disobedience is the best way to be to, to lose your home in heaven. Disobedience is the best way 
um, to uh, to lose your place. It says in the book of Jude that um, that the angels in heaven were disobedient, and in the fact that they left their first estate and they were cast out, and they were reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the day of the judgment of the great day. Think about Moses. Moses was told explicitly to touch the rock with his staff and out of that, or excuse me, not even touch it, but to, um, to, to speak to the rock. But out of his, uh, out of his, uh, his anger and his frustration with the people, he struck the rock. He was disobedient. And as a result, he was not able to see the, the land overflowing with milk and honey. He was not able to rather put his foot on that land. Even though God had mercy upon him and allowed him to look over into the land, he never set foot on it. And so I would say to you, and the lesson is yours this morning. You will have decisions in life uh, this upcoming week where you think, Hmm, I'm on the fence. I mean, I, I have good intentions. I think I should, but I don't know if I should. Um, I know what the scripture says that, you know, I shouldn't do this or I shall not do this or I shall not do that. I know what the scripture tells me that the two commandments are for me to love God with all of my heart, my mind and my soul and to love my neighbor as myself. Um, I know that God is love. Um, and I know that uh um, that in everything that I that everything that I do, I need to show and prove that love. You know, I I think I ought to do this, but I'm I'm just not sure. I'm 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 doubting. I'm on the fence. Are you going to ask for permission first, or ask for forgiveness later? And I would just bring bring to your remembrance what God did to Saul, his anointed. I mean, it does seem logical what Saul did, but it went against the explicit commandments of God. And as a result, we all know what happened to Saul. Saul never, ever got a foothold on the kingdom again. We know that... Uh, David was brought into the picture. Um, we know that uh, not only did Saul lose his life, but his eldest son, Jonathan, lost his life in battle as well. We know the ramifications. That it is not enough to knowingly disobey the will of God and just think, after I do this transgression, um, and we know that sin is a transgression, the commandments of God, that after I do it, I'm just going to simply just go to God and ask Him for forgiveness. Because the scripture tells me that if I go to God for to forgiveness, He is just to forgive me of my trespasses. That's illogical. That's tempting God. That's playing games with the Almighty God. And we know that it is a frightful and fearful thing to fall in the hands of the mighty God. He is not one you want to play around with. He is not one you want to toy with. He is not one that you can 
successfully use circular logic with. So the only thing we are left to do, as Solomon told us, is to fear God and keep His commandments. Trust in His Word that what He says is what He says. If He told us that we cannot do X, Y, and Z, or we should not do X, Y, and Z, we need to be obedient to that. We should not question it. We do not want to, as the, as the Scripture tells us, rely upon our, our own judgments and our own conceits, but rely upon the judgments and the commandments of God and do that and that only. When we stand before the judgment seat of God, we know that the Scripture tells us that everything that we've done in our bodies, whether they be good and bad, good or bad, will be uh, called into account. Now, if, if you die unexpectedly, let's say, God forbid, and you think that all I'm going to do is, um, when I stand before the judgment seat of God, all I'm going to do is I'm going to just say, hey, God... I did it in the best intentions. As a matter of fact, God, I did it to serve you better. Please forgive me. At that point, it will be too late. Now is the time. If you are here this morning and you have transgressed the will of God, even if you, even if you think you're on the fence, even if you're doubting maybe an action that you did this past week, now is the time to ask for forgiveness. And we will pray that God will forgive you. And we will pray that, that not only that God will forgive you, but that God will give you the strength to get back into the obedience business and to get away from the, uh, the business of, again, asking for permission vis-a-vis um, -vis, um, the business of offerings and sacrifice. So the lesson is yours. Um, after we sing the song of invitation, if anybody has need, uh, the floor will be yours. Thank you very much for your time and attention.